Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Thursday, October 27th, and this is People Every Day. Happy Friday Eve, everyone. Not yet. (laughs) Janine Rubenstein back with you once again. And on today's show, you won't need any sunblock because we will be living in the shade thanks to Prince Harry. We now have a release date and some details surrounding the Duke of Sussex's upcoming tell-all memoir. And you guys... It sounds like he is about to start more fires than the Mad King from Game of Thrones. Plus, we've got a financial expert coming your way to break down how exactly Kanye West went from having billions to just not, all in a few short days. But before all that, let's get to what's making headlines out there today. Last night at the Dolby Theater right here in Los Angeles, celebs filled the red carpet, or should I say the purple carpet, for the Wakanda Forever premiere. Lupita Nyong'o looked Absolutely stunning in this white, knotted, one-shoulder dress by Balmain. You guys have to check out the photos for yourself. She was glowing. But Lupita wasn't the only one turning heads last night. Rihanna and ASAP Rocky were dressed to the nines and spotted cozying up together on the carpet. It's the couple's first time walking the red carpet since they welcomed a baby boy back in May. And to the surprise of no one, they were looking super fab. Riri wore this olive green Rick Owens dress with this gorgeous fitted bodice and accessorized the look with some lengthy gloves and pointed shoes. And her boo, Rocky, opted to go a bit more casual, but complimented her nicely with a khaki jacket, matching pants, and a black tee underneath it all. Now, as fans know, the umbrella singer and Fenty mogul hasn't released a new album in six long years, but her comeback is underway. She was previously announced to be the halftime performer at the upcoming Super Bowl and has a brand new single coming out tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow, the song is titled Lift Me Up and will be appearing on the soundtrack for the long-awaited Black Panther sequel. You guys, I can't contain my excitement, but I can 100% promise that Lift Me Up will be featured tomorrow on New Music Friday. Matthew Perry is issuing an apology to fellow actor Keanu Reeves. Earlier this week, excerpts of his upcoming memoir were released by Variety and the New York Post. In one section of the book, Perry talks about his friendship with the late actor River Phoenix and writes... River was a beautiful man, inside and out. Too beautiful for this world, it turned out. It always seems to be the really talented guys who go down. Why is it that the original thinkers like River Phoenix and Heath Ledger die, but Keanu Reeves still walks among us? Now, the Friends alum is saying he misspoke. Perry told People in a statement, quote, I'm actually a big fan of Keanu. I just chose a random name. My mistake. I apologize. I should have used my own name instead. The John Wick star is also similarly cited in another portion of Perry's book when he writes about the death of legendary comedian Chris Farley. He said, quote, His disease had progressed faster than mine had. Plus, I had a healthy fear of the word heroin, a fear we did not share. I punched a hole through Jennifer Aniston's dressing room wall when I found out. Keanu Reeves walks among us. 
The passages have made quite a stir on social media and prompted other celebrities to speak out on behalf of Reeves. Linda Carter of Wonder Woman fame tweeted out, Come on, Keanu Reeves is like one of those frozen cakes. Nobody doesn't like him. And West Side Story's Rachel Zegler echoed that sentiment, saying, Personally thrilled that Keanu Reeves walks among us. I am not sure why Matthew Perry or anyone would call out Keanu Reeves, who is widely considered to be one of the nicest guys in the biz. We love you, Keanu. And if you think a book by Matthew Perry is causing a stir, just wait until you hear what secrets Prince Harry's memoir has to share. Royal Watchers, mark your calendars for January 10th, 2023, because that is the day Prince Harry's memoir, Spare, is coming out. The Duke of Sussex will open up like never before, sharing his story with, quote, raw, unflinching honesty. Penguin Random House, who is publishing the memoir, released its cover along with a statement this morning. And you guys... You can already tell this is going to be a good one. I'm so excited to dive into what we can expect from this book. So joining me now to discuss it all is People's Editorial Director of Society and Culture, Michelle Tauber. Hey, Michelle, I'm assuming you pre-ordered this book already, right? (laughs) I did. Hey, Janine, this is exciting. Well, let's talk about the title of this book because it's brilliant. It references Harry's position in the royal family, right? Can you explain it? It was one of those things where I was like, Oh, why, like, why didn't I realize that was going to be the title? It's so good. It can't be anything else. Honestly, I don't think we talk enough about the fact that for most of his life, Harry, who is a person, a real person, was very commonly referred to as the spare. And that was something that was used certainly in the heyday of coverage during his mother, Princess Diana, including at People magazine. That was just commonly used, that William is the heir And Harry is the spare, you know, as the first and second born sons. And, you know, I think to contemporary ears, it's really kind of shocking to think that a person, royal born or not, would be would be labeled in a way that effectively makes them a backup, a backup kid. So the fact that he tackled that head on and owns it in the title, it kind of gives me goosebumps. Oh, yeah. Like, just in the name, it's like, oh, this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be good. Well, well, l- let's talk about the cover now, because it's striking. If you haven't seen it yet, you guys check it out on people.com. Michelle, describe this cover for us and what your thoughts were when you first saw it. Yeah. So it is really striking. It's this close-up of Harry's face He's staring straight into camera. There's some soft lighting behind him. It's a bit of a Mona Lisa of Prince Harry, you know? It's one of those images where you can't quite read what's going on, but there's a lot going on. And coupled with that, you know, with that gut punch of a title, it really elevates expectations. I mean, already, Janine, this was going to be the most anticipated book of the year. And I think today it's just totally, and today the expectations went even higher. So Penguin Random House said in its statement this morning that the book takes, quote, readers immediately back to one of the most searing images of the 20th century, two young boys, two princes, walking behind their mother's coffin as the world watched in sorrow and horror. So that was such a devastating moment, of course. What else do we know about the contents of the book? Yeah, so the publisher, Penguin Random House, as you mentioned, Janine, also said that he would be digging into what was going on behind the scenes when the world is watching the devastating and tragic death of his mother, Diana, 
of course, everyone's wondering what was going through his head, through Prince William's head. So the book is going to explore that. It promised that there would be him writing about some private moments of his life that he's never shared before. It talked about, of course, his service in Afghanistan and his joy at being a father and a husband, which would be the more recent history. They're promising that you're going to get both the the past all the way through the present. It is a whopping 416 pages. Mm-hmm. That's a heavy that's a heavy tome. So that feels like, you know, it's going to be comprehensive. He had said himself previously, Harry had said that he was writing not as the prince he was born, but as the man he became and that he would be sharing the highs and lows, um, the mistakes. Many in the people audience remember that not only was the death of his mom, Diana, a seminal moment in his life, probably the moment in his life, but then Harry, of course, was sent reeling for a couple decades after that. And there were many public missteps and his private struggles. There's a lot to unpack with Harry. And this is going to be the first time he's ever done it. We, we have a lot of amazing sources. This is the source. And so <laughs> we are just on the edge of our sheets for this book. But as we know, there's so much tension currently uh, between Prince Harry and the royal family. Buckingham Palace had no comment on the book as of today. But how do you see this playing out once the memoir is released? Do you think the royal family is nervous about it? Yes, I think everyone's nervous. <laughs> You're nervous. I'm nervous. The royal family's <laughs> nervous. So, you know, Harry clearly is within his rights to share his story. I mean, that's what I think. And I think most people feel that. That said, we all know that, especially in families, it's that famous line, right, that the Queen said, recollections may vary. The same event, the same moment, the same period in time can be seen very differently by various members of the family, right? So I think that is where the source of nerves comes from. Everyone's kind of taking a wait and see on the big question, which is, How far does Harry go in exploring the tensions within his family? You might notice that in the press release, there's no mention of that, right? So kind of makes you wonder, like, how far does the book go with that? But at the same time, I think that the publisher well knows that the interest at the moment is in that family tension. As much as everyone wants to read the rest, he has spoken about much of that in the past. He hasn't written the authoritative version, but with Oprah and in his mental health docuseries, in a couple other interviews, he has spoken about some of the issues that are going to be explored here. He has not spoken about the tensions with his family in any beyond the Oprah interview and certainly not since the death of the queen. So we want it in the book. We want the afterword. We want all of it. I mean, we want to hear from Harry. As you said, it's he is the source. He is the source. And it really should be noted that it is extraordinary to have a member of the royal family, this senior, sharing their own story in this way. It's really unprecedented in the modern era. Paul Questioning, who's the only other person who did this in the modern era within the royal family. It's his mother. Of course, her book, Diana, Her True Story, was her memoir, but she only revealed later that she had been the source for it with Andrew Morton. So so at the time, it was a bit of a trick question, I think, because at the time, people didn't know Diana had helped with it. It's interesting, though, following in her footsteps a bit. Seriously. Ugh. Well, as always, we will be covering this from every angle. Michelle, it's always so great to have you on. Thank you for stopping by and discussing it with me. Thanks, Janine. 
Coming up, we are joined by CNBC's financial news anchor, Sarah Eisen, to break down Kanye West's sudden loss of status and income and what this means for the Grammy-winning artist's long-term financial future. But first, last night was the season finale of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, y'all. It was exactly as drama-filled as you'd expect. And then some. We recap the biggest moments for you right here after the break. Stay with us. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back, and it's time to get into Wednesday's wild Real Housewives of Beverly Hills finale. And I thought, why not have a woman who truly lives for this drama take us into it all? People's senior emerging content reporter, Lene Brody. Take it away, Lene. Hey, you guys. It's Lene, senior reporter here at People. And I am so excited to break down last night's Real Houses of Beverly Hills. This season was amazing, and it led up to the moment we have all been waiting for for what feels like an eternity, the Kathy Hilton, Lisa Rinna slash Erica Jane confrontation. First and foremost, I was at BravoCon and Kathy literally was a living legend. It was like a beetle was passing with the fans. Lisa Rinna could not have looked more like a deer caught in headlights if somebody paid her. Kathy literally read the room. She came and prepared. She had her pink suit. Erica had her receipts um, on her phone of what she could and couldn't say. I was literally dying for when her and Andy were going back and forth. And he's like, we're basically saying the same thing about the earrings. And also, I thought it was really riveting how the other women all said that they would have given the earrings back. And Erica's the only one who would have kept them. Back to Lisa and Erica and Kathy. Watching Kyle deal with it all at the very end was really hard. They did see each other at BravoCon. I did speak to Kyle and she did share that they've kind of talked a little bit, but not really. Also important to note that Kathy finally got her Congo line at the DirecTV party at BravoCon. Shout out to all the other housewives who were there to make the Congo line happen for her. I think Kathy is thriving right now. I've heard that she does want to come back, but she doesn't want Rinna coming back. I think there's no hope there between them. And it just seems like the fans and everyone just really turned on Rinna at the end of this. But, you know, Kathy held her truth. And like Andy said, there was an investigation and it was she said versus she said, and it was dropped and HR did their homework and they didn't find anything. And, you know, Kathy stands firm. And like, I've got to say, she seemed very believable in her delivery, the way she looked everybody in the eyes. I really gave her an A plus performance on her reunion. And Rinna said nothing. Sutton tweeted something about 
like, you know, like let it go at this point because I really want to see the sisters be okay. Like Kyle and Kathy have been through a lot. Rinna didn't make it better. And as Kyle's friend, I feel like she should. So fingers crossed that she will be at Farrah's upcoming wedding. And I hope that they're able to resolve their differences and we see them next season. Kanye West's anti-Semitic comments have set off a domino effect, with almost all of his extremely lucrative brand deals and business ventures crashing down around him, and his billionaire status becoming a thing of the past almost overnight. But on Wednesday, Ye went to a Skechers business office in Los Angeles unannounced and uninvited. When he arrived on the premises, he was escorted out. The footwear company released a statement saying, quote, Skechers is not considering and has no intention of working with West. We condemn his recent divisive remarks and do not tolerate anti-Semitism or any other form of hate speech. And if that wasn't a gut punch, Donda Academy, the private school he founded this year, is reportedly shut down for the remainder of the school year with intentions to reopen September 2023. All of this raises just red flag after red flag as to where Ye's finances currently stand. Well, here to unpack what all this means from a financial perspective and what else could be at stake is CNBC's Closing Bell financial news anchor, Sarah Eisen. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Janine, thank you. It's great to be on with you. Well, you have been following Ye and the financial side of his businesses for a while now. Last month, you spoke to him on air about his Gap deal. So can you explain what happened there? It almost feels like the beginning of the end when we're talking about the finances, right? It was definitely drama even before the drama. So the reason he joined my show several weeks ago is because he made moves to break up his relationship with Gap. Remember, the Adidas relationship with Kanye West goes back several years. Gap was newer, really was formed during the depths of the pandemic after what Gap saw was a pretty successful relationship for Adidas. So the plan was for Yeezy, which is the the Yay branded merchandise, to partner with Gap and release all sorts of exclusive merchandise. They had done a bit of it. They released sweatshirts and a puffer jacket. They did a collab with Balenciaga. But basically, a few weeks ago, Ye had come out and said that he wanted to break off the deal with Gap because he wasn't satisfied about the way he was being treated, about the way that his products were hitting the market. He was very angry about the price points of the product. So in classic gay fashion, he made a huge to-do of this, joined my show, Closing Bell, the final hour of trading. And I emphasize that because Gap stock was moving lower on the news that he was trying to break it off. And he joined to basically trash Gap. And then during that interview, I obviously asked about Adidas as well. And he trashed them too. So you're right, it did feel like the beginning of the end. But as far as the corporate responses, those came a little bit later. But he didn't get into any anti-Semitism on that show. <laughs> no, thank God he didn't get into any anti-Semitism on that show. That that came a few weeks later. Or it's hard to even keep track right now. But that that did come later on social media where he often starts some of his rants. Again, he, he had been bashing Gap and Adidas on social media as well. But the, to, took it to a new level with the anti-Semitic comments. I'm wondering where things stand. He was worth $6 billion. Now he's down to $400 million. I think those are numbers that Forbes has thrown around. When you look at these major deals crashing around, 
him. Do you agree with those numbers or is there still even more at stake? As someone who's covered this Adidas yay relationship for several years, this was hugely successful for Kanye West and for Adidas. It's what made him a billionaire. It's what totally changed his profile from a musician to a force in fashion and in culture. It's very difficult to get exact numbers about the Yeezy business. Adidas doesn't break it out. Ye has never broken it out. Forbes has estimated that the Adidas business with Ward's worth $1.5 billion. So when that goes away, his net worth plummets. It's not like it was all liquid sitting in his bank account. It was tied to the value of this incredibly successful franchise. And I want to emphasize that it's not just valuable for Ye himself. It was valuable for Adidas. And I think ultimately, if you're sitting back and wondering what took Adidas so long to break it off, two weeks is a long time. It's that some analysts that we talked to on Wall Street estimate that this was worth about 10% of total sales for the company. Wow. We don't know exactly, to be clear. It could be 5 to 8%. It was a driver of Adidas's sales. It helped them turn around the entire U.S. business because they were getting really high prices for some of these sneakers, $200 and above. So that's what was at stake for Adidas. And obviously for Ye, it was huge. And, and I think the problem for him now is that he's toxic. Companies can't work with him. Do you think business-wise this is something Kanye West would be able to come back from were there to be some sort of turnabout? This is going to be a tough one for him to come back from, not just because of what he said, that he's going DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, which is a horrendous, horrific, dangerous statement. And he's doubling, tripling, quadrupling down. There were even reports that the LA Holocaust Museum reached out to him and that he turned down a meeting. So as far as rehabbing the reputation for any company to work with him... And on top of that, Jenny, I think I think it's a it's a warning for corporate America about working with personalities like this. Even before he went on this anti-Semitic route, he was proving very difficult to be a partner. Just the fact that he came on with me on CNBC and all over social media to bash the companies that he has worked so closely with, including Adidas, he named board members on that interview saying that he was going to go after them because that they were not true to his partnership and relationship. So interesting. Sarah, thank you so much for being here with us today and breaking this all down. You guys, make sure to watch Sarah on CNBC Monday through Friday on her show, Closing Bell. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. You guys ever eat something so good that after a few bites, you think, I need to share this with the world. This, this is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. (laughs) Well, that's exactly what happened in our last story for today. Y'all better come up here and get one of these. What's that? It's a chicken salad. From where? 81st Deli. What's on it? Superior. I got chicken, pickles, banana peppers, bell peppers, tomatoes, onions. In the TikTok video you just heard, you can hear Clevelander Tanisha Godfrey eating a chicken salad. But there is just something extra special about it. Tanisha is really enjoying it to the point where it looks like she's getting emotional over how great that chicken salad is. And as you heard, she shouts out the name of the deli where she got it from, 81st Street Deli. (laughs) 
It's a small family-owned deli on the east side of Cleveland that Tanisha's been going to for years. Well, the internet did what the internet does, and really, I can't explain it, but the video has gone viral, and 81st Street Deli has been slammed with customers. People have been flocking to the deli to try the now-famous chicken salad. The video has been viewed nearly nine million times and has over one million likes. Again, this is just a short video of someone just really enjoying a chicken salad. Even stars like Lizzo are posting their own versions of the chicken salad video to their own social media channels. And ABC5 in Cleveland went to 81st Street Deli to get the scoop on this can't-miss chicken salad. And the employees say they've now had customers from all over, including L.A., Chicago, Vegas, New York, and just everywhere in Ohio. (laughs) I mean, if there's anything, I can't stop laughing at this. If there is anything I can get behind, it's a good deli with great food, but this is wild. So if you find yourself passing through the cleave, be sure to swing by 81st Street Deli and try that chicken salad. And now I'm hungry. That's our show for today. I'll meet you back here tomorrow to ring in the weekend right here on People Every Day.